What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. Not only are they our friends over at DNVR, but they're the best damn family-owned dentistry in the Denver metro area. And on top of that, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's right. You're going to go to the dentist anyways twice a year. Might as well go to a place that's going to treat you great. It's going to treat you like family. That's going to give you a free Sonicare toothbrush. And on top of that, you'll be able to talk Colorado sports with them and, of course, support our partners is supporting us. So check them out over at Green Mountain Dental. And again, schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush from our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. All right, Ryan and Mace, let's hop into the show. Today stands for could Drew Lock earn another chance? Uh, excited to talk about this Oof. with you guys, and I and I know that we're going to have just a very civil, uh, calm conversation in the chat. Uh-huh. Nobody calling anybody names and uh, nobody losing their cool. Uh, so excited for that! I know that you know Drew Lock conversations never bring out the worst in anybody. So. Uh, keep it civil, chat. Let's uh, let's uh, let's have this discussion, and and we can um, be honest and we can be realistic here. So, oh my, you have much more faith than I do, RK. You have uh, much more I faith in humanity than I do. <laughs> I've got a lot of faith in the chat. We're gonna have a banner day in the chat. I can just feel it. That's a way of putting uh, it's, it. It's Christmas time. Everyone's gonna be very giving, very nice. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, Aren't suicides the highest at Christmas though? People are often uh, miserable. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Um, all right. Let's, oh, my gosh. Um, let's have this conversation here. Uh, and it really comes down to this. In a world in which Drew Locke starts the next three games, which I think all three of us think is the best thing, not only just uh, because, you know, the, the season is essentially over and you've got a chance to um, – uh, to, you know, get, get a look at Drew Locke, maybe increase his trade value. But mostly because we said, as we said yesterday, like, it's just we don't want to see Teddy Bridgewater go out there and potentially have another head injury, especially in what are likely going to be meaningless games. Now, again, the Broncos do still have a chance at the playoffs. Um, they would have to win out and get some help. So maybe, you know, like we talked about yesterday, there's a chance that, oh, Week 18, Teddy comes back, that sort of thing. You could have that conversation when you cross that path. But anyways, in a world in which Drew Locke starts all three of the next three games, is there anything, anything at all he could do to to make the Broncos, and it doesn't necessarily have to be you, but you could say how you would feel too, to make the Broncos think, all right, worst case scenario, 
we don't get one of those big, um, you know, big name free agents in the off season. Is there anything he could do to make the Broncos think we could maybe give Drew Locke another chance? Well, Ryan, that's where it starts. And first and foremost, there is nothing that Drew Locke can do to make it so the Broncos turn their back on Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. There is nothing. And we're going to be throwing out some crazy numbers where people may say, oh, are you sure they shouldn't just stick with Drew since he's younger? No, absolutely nothing. But we got to look at what how they can just consider him because then we know this isn't a great uh, draft pool for quarterbacks right now. So the Broncos may say, well, do we roll with Drew? And guys, it has to be pretty darn incredible. Uh, I think they need to make the playoffs. So that means going 3-0. and And guys, that would mean that he beats Derek Carr on the road. He beats Justin Herbert on the road and then potentially beats Patrick Mahomes at home. Now, that could also mean he's beating, you know, the backups of the Chiefs as well. That'd be a pretty impressive run right there. But then I think he needs to win a playoff game. And even then, guys, that's what Tim Tebow did. He carried the Broncos to the playoffs. He won a playoff game and he still got booted. So I don't think that would even be enough. I'm thinking multiple playoff wins for Drew Locke. And also when we talk about statistics, guys, we've seen Drew Locke twice now. Finished the season strong. His rookie year, he did seven touchdowns, three interceptions. Then last year, I believe it was seven touchdowns, two interceptions. So I'm not getting fooled by that. And that's what Adam Valentine in the comment section said. Seven touchdowns, two interceptions. No, I've, been, I've, already been, I've already been fooled by that. I mean, we're talking that this playoff games and it's because of Drew Locke. Now the defense can also be good, but it can't be these 17-16 wins. We're talking 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions because not only was I fooled after the 2019 season and then the Broncos were fooled after the 2020 season last year but on top of that guys we've already seen him struggle this year we've seen him lose a quarterback competition then we've seen him when we've seen him which has not been the most fair circumstances but we have seen him this year he has, he has looked bad, so he needs to be not just good, but he has to make me forget about all of that. So the bar for me, guys, incredibly high. And I think it has to be. Um, you know, this is a situation where we essentially said, like, if he doesn't win the starting quarterback competition, it's pretty much over for him in Denver. Um, so for us to and the Broncos to go back on that, it would have to be a monumental comeback for Drew Locke. Uh, and again, you know, this is just a fun conversation. At least I think it's a fun conversation to have uh, in this situation because we are going to see Drew Locke again. And so y- you can live in a world where maybe some magic happens. Um, I think that we all know that Drew Locke has um, skills and abilities that could still work in the NFL. It's not as if you're trying to take, you know, some guy who's super um, – Uh, ungifted and turn him into a starting quarterback. So for me, if he was to come in, I'm not putting the bar as high as like zero interceptions. I don't think that's necessarily fair, Um, but you definitely got to go three, and zero and make the playoffs. Um, That is one of those things where if this happens, it makes everyone stop and think for a second, right? If you go two and one and you miss the playoffs, well, it was nice. The season's over. There's only three games there. Um, if he were to somehow get this team over the hump, make the playoffs, and then, like you said, Zach, 
win a playoff game with really impressive numbers because, you know, the defense could go out there and give up 10 points a game. The Broncos could score 13. And, you know, we're not going to be giving that, that much credit to Drew Locke, although the Broncos have lost uh, a couple games like that recently. So it's, you know, 300 yards a game-ish, um, three touchdowns a game-ish, averaging le- definitely less than one interception a game. Um, so, you know, maybe you end with like nine to one or nine to two um, with big numbers, offense scoring upwards of 30 points, three and oh, playoff berth. And then maybe even you have to get a playoff win on top of that to just fully, um, you know, make everyone think. And even then I'm with you, Zach, if Rogers or, or Wilson uh, can still be had, they'll go for it. But if not, they say, well, we still got Drew Locke on this cost-controlled co- contract for <laughs> oh, one please. more year. We might as well uh, <laughs> give it a chance and roll the dice here. Uh, I think it's a possibility, but again, that that is a huge bar to clear. Yeah, I think and the thing that uh, I keep coming back to is he's the, the starting point for even considering this is he's got to cut the turnovers. And like you go through, he's played 21 games, right? He's had 18 of them starts than the three this season. He's turned the ball over at least once in 19 of those 21 games. Yeah. And Yikes. for me, the conversation has to start with having at least two of these games be turnover free ball. And then that that's, that's the, that is the beginning point. And that is saying, this is say, saying, He's managing the game. He's playing within himself. And look, I mean, if we're talking about the Broncos going 3-0 and in these, I don't think Drew Locke is going to uh, is going to be throwing for 300 yards a game if the Broncos go 3-0. and In fact, remember the when he played for Rich Gangarello in 2019, those five games? Well, the Broncos won four, of course. And in three of those four wins, he didn't even reach 200 yards passing. Yeah. So... This is about the team being successful, but I really think unless unless Locke plays turnover-free ball in at least two of these three games, even if the team wins, then I, I think the conversation is kind of moot without him, without without him changing the thing that is undermining him, which is the which is the back-breaking mistake time after time. I mean. Uh, and look, that's that's just a starting point. I mean, I know people aren't enamored with Teddy Bridgewater, but Bridgewater turned the ball over only eight times in in basically uh, thir- 13 full games of, of play over the course of the season. And Drew Locke has turned the ball over three times in this season in, ba- in barely one game of, of full play for him. And we know about the turnover problems uh, prior to that. So that's that's where any conversation has to begin, I think, is – He's got to stop turning the ball over. Yeah, I've been calling it Mark Sanchez syndrome. Oh, um, oh! Just and you can't... thought I was bad with what I said at the start of this thing. I, I, <laughs> I think this, yours is yours worse, Mace. Worse. <laughs> worse. Uh, Mark Sanchez syndrome. It's just you know, no matter how badly you don't want to turn the ball over, somehow you still turn it over. Um, you can try and try as much as you want, um, but yeah, it would just have to be you know. Uh, the problem is is even if all this happened, it would still feel like a lightning in a bottle scenario. But I will say it would give you an opportunity 
to think twice about whether you need to reach in the draft, which I think is a good thing for the Broncos. Um, it would it would give you an opportunity to think twice about whether you need to go after uh, a Matt Ryan or a Kirk Cousins type of player. Uh, you know, it, 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 it at least gives you this fallback plan of like, okay, well, if plan A doesn't work out, we do still have this this other option that was exciting. The fans really do like him. I mean, we still we put out the poll the other day of should Drew Locke, you know, start the last three games or whatever. What, what was the what, – do you know what the final – when I looked, it was like 75% still said yes. Yep. There's still yep. a soft spot in the hearts of a lot of Broncos country for Drew Locke. So, you know, and, it's, and you would definitely win a bunch more people over if you go 3-0 and and make the playoffs. Um, so it, it, it's just this extra option that becomes available that honestly for me – Without Rodgers or Wilson, I'm really worried about the Broncos making the wrong call uh, this offseason and jumping for a quarterback who ends up being a bust. And, and that's honestly, you know, as frustrating as it was to see the Broncos pass on quarterback this year, um, it's way, way, way worse when your team goes after a guy who isn't it. I mean, the Paxton Lynch saga, and that's as bad as it gets, like, in terms of first-round bust quarterbacks, he's at the very top of the list. The only thing stopping him from being the top of the list, in my opinion, is that he was drafted late in the round. But, you know, a guy who starts that few games as a first-round quarterback just sets you back. And then, again, you know, it's human nature. You get trigger shy. That's why the Broncos, in my opinion, why the Broncos don't have Josh Allen right now. Because John Elway got a little trigger shy after making that mistake. So, I'm just saying... I'm afraid of the Broncos doing the wrong, getting the wrong guy this offseason. This scenario would open up one more year, and even if it doesn't work out, maybe put you in a better situation in the long run. Guys, I think realistically, the best case scenario here for, for Drew Locke these last three games is playing really well and then opening up the trade market for him. And Malcolm Brown in the comment section says, what is Locke's trade value? Better than a fourth? No, I, not not right now. I mean, it, it is a, a sixth, a seventh, a, a, a conditional seventh, something like that right now. But... Let's say he goes out, guys, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. We've seen him do that. Seven touchdowns, three interceptions these final three games. If he goes out and does that, that's going to pique some interest of teams out there. Because like Ryan said, Drew Locke has the arm strength. He has the size. Uh, he he has the, the physical tools that you want. And so some team could say, you know what? I don't trust Pat Shermer. I don't trust Rich Scangarello. I want Drew Locke in my building. I'm going to develop him maybe behind a, a Matt Ryan, maybe behind a Jimmy Garoppolo, wherever he goes. Maybe Detroit says, you know what? We were interested in Drew last year. Let's bring him in, have him sit behind Jared Goff for a year. If he's not the guy, then we're just going to go get Bryce Young next year. And then Drew's value goes from sixth, seventh round to maybe we're talking a fourth round pick this offseason. And that to me is is probably the best scenario for Drew and for the Broncos. Look, Drew, I mean, Ryan, there are a lot of people that like Drew. There's also a lot of people that don't like Drew. I bet Drew, honestly, deep down, would probably like a fresh start somewhere. And so that, to me, guys, is the best scenario. Because let's say Teddy Bridgewater, let's say Drew goes out, they lose this game, then they put Teddy Bridgewater in the final two games. 
you're getting nothing from from Teddy in terms of a value. Uh, you're, you're you're getting nothing from him, uh, and he's really getting nothing for himself going forward. He just had the best year of his career. So hey, the the best thing for Drew and the Broncos is to Drew to come out and ball these next three games. Well, the one thing is, if you let Teddy Bridgewater walk, if he did come back and play well, and maybe does play his way back into the. $20 million a year quarterback conversation from somebody, you can get a compensatory pick back potentially. So there is something you could get. It's not necessarily nothing. So it's, you know, the, so that's, that's one thing to, to bear in mind here. I think in this, you know, the one place that I think um, if, if this all doesn't happen and drew ends up um, hitting the market this year or next year, depending on how the Broncos feel, I mean, I think there is a chance they might they could potentially just cut him um, after the season if it doesn't if if this magic magical run that we're talking about doesn't happen you know or I think he could end up um, not as a starter. The San Raiders, Kansas City. No oh, oh. boy, <laughs> home sweet home. Then you'll have to flip that I, article you wrote, Ryan. They uh, right when the Broncos yeah. drafted him, you'll have to flip that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, sadly that that uh, never came to fruition. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, 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 just, that, I think that, it's possible yeah. they would, you know, bring it. He's going home. Uh, you know, he's not. There's no pressure on him. You know, he's going in there. It's probably the third string to start. Um, and then you know they think we can develop him a little bit and maybe have an, a, an exciting you know uh, backup if they ever need him. Well, you know what? That would actually be interesting because. If he eventually replaced the current backup, who of course is Chad Henney, he'd be a second round pick replacing a second round pick. Because mm. Chad Chad Henney back in the day, the Miami Dolphins had hopes for him, and they and they floundered. I think they gave, I want to say they gave Chad they gave Henney uh, two years, if I'm not mistaken, and then they consigned him to the bench, and then they moved and then they moved on. But that would ah, that would be something. That would be something. And it may, it right. may, it may well be the look. It may well be the best, the best path back for, or back, back for Drew Lock. Maybe going to be somebody's backup for a yeah. while. Because I mean, he he said something interesting on Sunday after the game when he was talking about kind of his proclivity to try to, to try to make plays when the team was behind to kind of, you know almost kind of throw the, the the team out out of a of a jam when the offense wasn't at best. And he said, "quote." There's a lot that goes into it, but it's in my DNA to go out there and do a little bit more than I've a- I'm asked of, maybe. It's something I've got to realize when the time is there to do that, unquote. And then he said it was kind of – that's the type of player he was, and he's got to figure out how to manage it. So, you know what? This is kind of who – this is why I, I'm not sure it's going to be all that different for the, in the next three games for Drew Locke than it has been unless they basically take the ball out of his hands and go with an Indianapolis Colts, Carson Wentz, Jonathan Taylor game plan where – you're handing the ball off all about 12 times a game. That- yeah, the, to circle back to what you what yeah. we were talking about earlier, just about the potential for, like, gaudy numbers, yeah. I think you're right. The game plan going into the Raiders game is run the ball 40 times. Yeah. But, you know, things happen, things change, and then if you hit on one or two big deep balls, your, your numbers can inflate really quickly. It's mm-hmm. when you just dink and dunk the whole game that you end up with, like, 150, 170 yards. Um, yeah. The Usually best we... thing for this team is probably to do exactly that, to to run the ball 40 times, play to the strengths here. And I don't think the concern can be about developing Drew Locke in these next, especially in, in these next no, three games, no. but especially no. this game. I mean, I know people want to see everything perfectly tailored for Drew. This thing has to be perfectly tailored for the team. 
not for Drew Locke. And the way to tailor that for the team is to run the ball. And then Drew Locke can kind of benefit from that because the run should set up play fake boot action, which we know he can do. The question is, will Pat Shermer actually do that? All right, we got a quick super chat here on um, this topic. So here's from Edward Keating. What up, guys? So ready for Sunday to beat the Raiders. I hope Locke lights it up this weekend. I'll be wearing my Locke jersey this Sunday for luck. My score prediction is 21 to 17. Thanks, guys. There we go. I, I love it, Edward. And that would uh, that would hype up the Locke fans. It would make his value maybe a little bit better. And on top of that, it'd keep the Broncos in the playoffs. So I hope you're spot on, Edward. And we really appreciate all the support. Yes, of course. Uh, all right, before we move on, again, a reminder to come down to the DNVR bar tonight for the Ugly Sweater Party. Uh, first Nuggets game in a while. First Nuggets or Avs game in a while uh, tonight. And perfect time to come down to the bar and show us your best ugly sweater or your worst, depending on how you look at it. Uh, we're going to be doing a competition for the ugliest sweater. Uh, we'll also be doing giveaways all night like we always do. Other fun things down at the DNVR bar. So come check us out tonight. Come hang out. Um, like I said yesterday, kind of like the last day to uh, hang out with friends before, you know, a big family weekend. So it should be fun. Uh, come down to the bar, come hang out and uh, and have have yourself a time and bring that ugliest sweater that you have. Have some Breck brews, all that above. Um, so hopefully see you tonight down at the DNVR bar. And then after a great night, you're going to want to go home and sleep on the most comfortable bed. And our friends over at Snooze Sleep can help you with that, guys. They have the most universal mattress out there. Their Snooze Flip mattress is a four-in-one mattress. One side of the mattress is hard. One side of the mattress is soft. So you get to choose if you want it hard or soft. Then it also has a reversible pad, which one side is hot, one side is cold. And you can mix and match. And that's how you get a four-in-one mattress. And they are are built in Colorado, but they're designed for the world. And you guys know how important it is for us supporting our local Colorado businesses. Snooze Sleep is one of them. So go to snoozesleep.com and use the code DNVR and you will get $500 off a queen setup. They're going to give you $250 off the snooze flip queen and they're going to give you $250 off the adjustable uh, mattress underneath. And on top of that, if you want a king, they're going to give you $500 off the mattress and they're going to give you $500 off an adjustable base savings up to $1,000. All you have to do is go to snoozesleep.com and grab your snooze flip flip mattress today that's snoozesleep.com and use that code dnvr you know if you change your career and go work over at ball you're gonna have a great job but uh, you're gonna savor those nights when you sleep on that snooze mattress as well because you're gonna be working hard but also working for a great company of course ball has a huge plant uh, that focuses on making aluminum cans including this one right here in my hand they've got that plant over in Golden Zach. Zach, your aunt, Julie, your aunt Julie works for Ball, but does she work at the Golden Plant? She's, uh, I believe, in the downtown uh, okay. area. They're they're all over Denver. Yeah, they're all over Denver. Not it's not just Ball Arena. There's, you know, that there's offices downtown, but they're looking for people at their plant out in Golden. Would we say Golden is a beautiful town? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, at the base at the base of the of the of the front range, wonderful vistas. Well, you can have a wonderful job working in Golden as well if you join Ball. If you want to go check out the jobs available at their Golden plant, go to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden 
or text golden to 77222. What they're looking for are production technicians who work on the front line of the aluminum beverage can production process. Ball pays $27.39 per hour for production techs to start off. And there's a potential for a wage increase at 6, 12, and 18 months on the job. If you're a production tech, you're responsible for machine adjustments on high-speed production equipment, and you'd be an integral part of the production team, both in quality and meeting operational goals for volume. The role has skills growth built into it. Many production techs become maintainers, which is the next step up, and plenty of employees who started off as production techs have gone to other roles in operations and management. So if you're production tech at Ball, you've got a chance for advancement. You've got a chance for raises pretty soon. You also get access to comprehensive insurance on the day you're hired, 401k for retirement, stock purchase ownership program, and even potential for an annual bonus. These are major benefits to working for a huge company like Ball, and you're going to be involved in a lot of high-tech stuff as well over at Ball. So if you want to join Ball and be like Zach's egg, Julian, be unstoppable at Ball, or unstoppable Ball, I should say, text GOLDEN to 77222, and you'll be linked to open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN, or text GOLDEN to 77222. Check it out, and maybe you can give yourself the gift of a new job for the new year at Ball. Guys, our comment section is actually fantastic today. Uh, everyone's saying hi to each other. Everyone's wishing each other well. It's fantastic. These are the vibes we're looking for. I don't couple, know. I'm, I'm seeing some in, that are, eh. Yeah, a couple <laughs> people in there uh, crossing the line a little bit. I would just say this. I don't understand why people care what other people root for like if someone wants to be a drew lock fan and and hope for the best for him let him be that if you don't like him that's fine you also don't need to you know make personal attacks on people but for the most part great job by everyone love you all and uh, appreciate you (laughs) and guys speaking of good vibes let's jump into whiteboard wednesday to see how the broncos get a win and keep their playoff hopes alive and guys this first one Dominate Derek Dallas. What the heck does that mean? Do you guys know what uh, Derek Carr's middle name is? Well, is it it's Dallas. Dallas. It's Dallas. I mean, is is that just the most classic Derek Carr middle name? I mean, if you if you were to tell me what's Derek Carr's middle name, I'd probably guess Dallas. It just fits him so well, and it also fits this whiteboard. Der- dominate Derek Dallas, guys. You, with Derek like Carr, a, wait, real quick, do you feel like you have like a skill for? being able to guess people's middle names oh absolutely not what in fact i said this uh leaving the office yesterday one of one of my worst uh worst traits as a human being is is names i I, i'm so bad remembering people's names so little i can't remember when someone tells me their name let alone guessing their middle name so no doesn't he just look like a dallas guy though well, he had a big game in Dallas earlier this season, or all or anything, I should say. I mean, really, the only, the, the best game by far that the Raiders and their offense have played since the Henry Ruggs uh, incident and having and cutting him after that was against Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. Every other time, Derek Carr and this offense have been in the teams, including on Monday night against Cleveland. That was the ex- that that was the explosion. So now it all makes sense. Of course, he was going to have a big game against the Cowboys. <laughs> I would say if I was going to guess his middle name, I would have guessed Sid, uh, like the kid from Toy Story. Okay. Do <laughs> you know what his brother David's middle name is? David Carr, who played was number one overall pick of the Texans back in 02. Uh, 
Houston. Houston. That's uh, what I was going to go with. <laughs> no, it begins with D, but it's not state. So it's David Duke Carr. Duke? Which, Duke. Oh, okay. Which, unfortunately, uh, David Duke together in a name is something that uh, is ra- is uh, rather terrible to have together as a name. Uh, you must know something I don't, but probably isn't uh, <laughs> worth getting into right now. David Duke is a former uh, political candidate in Louisiana who was a white supremacist. Oh, geez. Oh, okay. So wow. that's like, yep. yeah, like you like you see that on his name and, and on poor David Carr's name, you're like, ugh. Yep. Oh, like boy. Said, well, it's probably not worth getting into right now. Uh, <laughs> well, guys, th- this is so important to, to dominate Derek Carr, and the reason for that is in six of the Raiders' seven wins, he has 300 or more passing yards. You know how many – a 300-yard passing yard games he has in their losses, and there's seven losses. Um, zero. Zero, exactly, zero. So when Derek Carr balls out, the Raiders win. When he doesn't, it's almost a guarantee that they lose. And guys, they the, the only game he didn't, they won, and he didn't have 300 yards was this past Monday night. And the Raiders probably honestly should have lost that game. It's because they were playing a third-string quarterback. So if Derek Carr goes for 300 yards, Broncos are going to lose. If not, Broncos are going to win. There you go. Uh, simple as that. Might as well just you know press simula- simulate the game and look at his num- uh, his passing yards and move on. And you got to feel pretty good about uh, the Broncos holding him to 300 yards. Now, I know he destroyed the Broncos earlier this year, but guys, this honestly feels like a completely different defense now than when the Broncos played the Raiders the first time. That was the turning point moment. And obviously, uh, the next game, a few days later, they, they lost to Cleveland, gave up 17 in a low possession game and struggled to stop the run. But I mean, at least, at least if you kind of go by a, an out an opposing offense output basis, I mean, that was the last time the Broncos defense really got torched since then. Since then, the uh, the most the Broncos defense has accounted for allowing is uh, Philadelphia's offense putting up 23 points in that week 10 game. So that that really kind of was the fork in the road moment. Justin Simmons, remember after that game, talked about communication issues on the back end leading to some open receivers downfield. We haven't seen those types of issues since then. Yeah. yeah, and and honestly, the Broncos defense should be absolutely pissed off coming into this game. That was Derek Carr's best game statistically that he's had this season. 341 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and 134 passer rating. That's embarrassing. Yeah, and we've seen Derek Carr um, look good against the Broncos before, but there's a big difference between that game and those games. And the Broncos have beat Derek Carr when he's had some impressive numbers, like I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was. I think he was 21 of 25 one game um, for a little over 200 yards or maybe a little under 200 yards. And he took care of the ball all game. The Broncos won because they bend but didn't break. And that's the biggest difference between what happened in that game at home was you broke. Now, he had Henry Ruggs. He doesn't have him now. He'll never have him again. And that makes a big difference for that offense. Um, but that's the thing that you just can't have Deshaun, uh, I believe Deshaun Jackson is going to play for them. Um, so, you know, you, they do still have some deep threats. Um, he has looked deep for Zay Jones sometimes too. I think actually Zay Jones had a big catch in that, uh, earlier game against the Broncos. So it's not as if he has nothing there, but you, that is how you do it. You have to take away, uh, that 
deep shot. You can give him the underneath stuff. It's frustrating to watch sometimes. Um, but if you can take away the big, big plays, you know, anything really over 20 yards, if you can take that stuff away, you will win this game, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a really good point. All right, now let's hop to the other quarterback with the whiteboard Wednesday, and the next one is Scheme for Locks Strand. Yeah, they have to do this, and we talked about earlier. You're going to run the ball often, but this can actually, if the Broncos don't get too cute, and also if uh, they – they're playing from ahead or they're playing uh, within one score, one or the one way or the other, then it plays into continuing to run the ball and it plays into the play act, the play action boot uh, boots look that we see has worked for drew lock. And it gives him a chance to stretch it down the field, take advantage of the of the safeties coming up and get some, and get some chances for shots. I mean, really it's kind of a, it's, maybe a, a Tim Tebow game plan on steroids. And what I mean by that is when Tim Tebow was working for the Broncos back in 20, 2011, they wouldn't pass the ball very often, but when they did, it was to look downfield and take advantage of those deep shots. So maybe not to that extreme, but I think if you're looking to pass the ball off the run, you need to work it under center, you need to use the play action game, get get him rolling out, get him where he's comfortable. He's much more settled working under center. It gives him a chance. I think he's going to have much better footwork when he throws the ball because one thing that kind of did jump out to me watching the last game is, you know, there's still kind of the, you know, the, the, the off-balance throws, the back foot throws. You want him to get set, be accurate downfield, and this and this allows him to play within himself. I don't want to see Pat Shermer getting cute in this game and trend and putting Drew into situations where he's having to read the entire field. Just let him do what he does best. Don't focus on the the next stage. This is all about letting him do what he does best. And at the same time, playing within what the team can do right now, it gives the Broncos the best chance and it gives Drew Locke the best chance too. If, uh, if the Broncos come out in three wide out of the shotgun, I honestly might just pound my head into a wall until I pass out and not watch the game. Um, well, Ryan, I don't think you're going to be watching the game because get ready for them to come out in three wide. Come out, two tight ends. You could even go – I'd love to see them go out a pistol uh, with two tight ends. That was something that worked well for Drew Locke uh, early in his career. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're actually scheming to Drew Locke's strengths, which every offensive coordinator should do for their quarterback regardless of who they are, you're not going into positions um, that are going to cause him, you know, are going to increase the chances of pressure. Uh, you're just not going to do that. You're going to run the ball from under center and run play action from under center. You might go into some shotgun and stuff on third downs, but if they come out on first down on the first play of the game in shotgun three wide, uh, I don't think I can watch. I'm just going to go do something else for the day and I'll come back for the post game show. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it honestly sounds like I'm going to be taking the postgame show by myself with Ryan, like, passed out next to me. I can't take it. I can't take it. That's so mind-bogglingly stupid uh, to to go out there and, and run that type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, right. I, I sort of get it if you're trying to expand Drew Locke's skill set and say, okay, well, he's got to learn how to process the entire field, not just half the field. That doesn't matter right now when you're trying, when you've got a 5% chance of the playoffs and it can become 10 or 11% with a win. And it can even go much higher than that. If you do it against the chargers, this isn't about a player's development and trying to add to what his, what tools are in his toolbox. This is just do what he does best. 
And the best part is it plays well off what the Broncos do best because it's it plays off of running the ball, which is what they need to do in this game. So if if they get cute, if they're doing too much three wide, too much shotgun, uh, it's it's going to be rough. Unfortunately, this is where losing Andrew Beck uh, hurts. He's got the elbow injury. And so if, if you want to go I formation under center, you're going to have to find somebody who can be a, a fullback in a pinch. Salbert's probably the best option that you have there. Easily. Yeah. I'd like to see Salbert out there in, in several situations because, again, it just means they're, you know, uh, thinking about their game plan, not just, you know, going out there and, and calling uh, the coach suggestions on Madden. Um, and, Ryan, if, if they come out in three wide, that's going to put you in a Grinch mood, which takes us to our next whiteboard topic, which is Grinch mode. Yeah, you got to go out there and be the Grinch. You know, uh, I'm sure a lot of families out there in Las Vegas I'm uh, going to make the trip out to the game. You have to be in coming into this game angry. Um, you blew a massive opportunity at home last week. Your playoff chances are on the ropes. You got your asses kicked by your rivals the last time you set foot on the field with these guys. Go in there like the Grinch. Don't come off of some, you know, happy little Christmas team gathering. Everyone's all joyful. No. Go out there mad. Kick some ass. You have to you have to take this game personally um, because they beat the hell out of you on your home field. The least you can do is give it back to them. Uh, I need to see some passion, some anger from this Broncos team, and I feel like it's one of my biggest gripes about the Vic Fangio era as a whole is I – uh, you know, we talk about, oh, even keel, this, that, and the other thing. You got you to, gotta, you know, keep it level. That's not always how it works in football. Now, you can go too far one way and too far the other way. Um, but sometimes in a game like this, you have to come out with a little extra juice. And you ha- I, in my opinion, you have a chance to go punch this team in the mouth. Um, you know, obviously, they're coming off of a, um, a you know, whatever. A whatever win is what I'll call it. Um, but they're going to be at home for the holidays. You know, they might come out a little lackadaisical. And if you go in there with your hair on fire, I really think that you can you can win this game. So you got got to go be the Grinch. Go ruin Christmas in Vegas. You know what? Though? There's one thing I just I'm thinking about here, and you talk about kind of you know you know not being even keel and kind of being a little bit angry. One concern I have is you had last week Justin Simmons talking about do or die playoff game, and so. They were on an emotional high point compared to a lot of other games. Do you feel like they might come back down, that they might not have anything left in the tank in that regard? Yeah, potentially, and, and and that's something that I said yesterday. Two weeks ago, uh, or against Kansas City, Justin Simmons was talking about how this was such a big game and how he was so hyped and just wait till Sunday. He couldn't wait for it. They come out, uh, and the defense didn't come out flat, but the team uh, as a whole did not get the job done. Then last week, Justin builds it up again. Justin, you probably want a different message, whether it's from Justin or from someone else, because that that's just not working anymore, and that's probably just going to fall on deaf ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like the players only meeting card. Like hmm. you can only play right. these cards a, a, a few times. Yeah. Right. Um, you can only play the playoff game must win a couple times. Now the Broncos, you know, they called it a playoff game two weeks ago. Well, they lost. Uh, now they're they're out of the playoffs twice. Um, so it's uh you, you got to play a new card. To me, it's first of all the biggest thing that they should be playing for this weekend is to not get last place. 
Um, now, I don't know if that's like a rallying cry that works in the locker room, but it's not. If you, if you <laughs> lose this game, you're going to get last place again in the division. So you, and that should be something that, that they take personally. Last place is embarrassing. You should, you started three and oh, you know, you, you, you were in the, you were playing for first place a couple weeks ago. You can't go get last place in the division. That should mean something to them. I don't know if it will, but uh, it's a tough place to go from. We're playing for the playoffs for to We're playing to not get last place. It really is embarrassing. And that brings us to our next whiteboard. And that is Ross Crosby. Guys, the Broncos got embarrassed by Max Crosby in their first meeting. Max Crosby had three sacks against him. Five quarterback hits. He terrorized the Broncos offensive line and Teddy Bridgewater. Max Crosby has five sacks this season, and they've come in two games. Three sacks against the Broncos, two sacks against Baltimore back in week one. He has three games in which he has five quarterback hits. The the Ravens won, or the Raiders won all three of those games. He won, The Raiders have won all of their games, or both games, when he's had a sack. Don't let him take over a game because the Raiders will win. Just make him normal, and, and the Broncos will absolutely have a chance, but you cannot let Max Crosby just eat you alive like he did last week or last time. Cleo Mac 2.0 almost. I mean, why, yeah. why does this why does this happen to the Broncos against the Raiders every so often that an edge rusher just eats their lunch over and over? They, they, that's a good point. That that's where it has to start there. They've got to keep Crosby out of the back thing. Yeah, I'm sometimes um guilty of having tunnel vision on the Broncos and and you know, um taking my takes from Broncos games and extrapolating them out to the whole season. So, like, in my eyes, like, Max Crosby is a dominant pass rusher. And then I watch other games that he plays in, and I'm like, wait, he's just regular? Like, what is, <laughs> what's going on here? Why can't, why can't he get any pressure? Um, and, you know, I, I honestly didn't know until you just said that, Zach, that he's had all of his sacks in two games, including, you know, 60% of them against the Broncos. He literally has no sacks <laughs> since that game. None since that game. Yep. None! Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So don't let Here him kill he's you. Defensive player of the year. <laughs> yeah. Nope. He's just defensive player of the week when he plays against the Broncos. And let's hit our next whiteboard, and it is holiday desperation. Yeah, you got to be. You know, sometimes in the holidays, um, people get a little desperate, right? Because uh, you know, you, you, everyone's with their families, but maybe you're alone. So you know, you're you're firing off texts late at night trying to see if you have someone to hang out with uh on the weekend you know christmas weekend maybe you get a, an invite to a christmas party uh you get a little desperate around the holidays when when you're alone the broncos need to break out that holiday desperation this weekend um i didn't even feel like in this last game the broncos were desperate to win and again i think it goes back to a a personality thing with the team um, Vic, obviously not that type of personality. And Teddy, honestly, isn't that type of personality either. No. Um, we always say a team takes on the, the, you know, the personality of their coach or their quarterback, or sometimes their best player. Well, the Broncos, you know, they need to take on, maybe it's Drew Locke who can be a little desperate this week. Now, we, I don't know if we want him to play desperate. That hasn't necessarily worked for him in the past. Um, but everyone should be desperate in this game. I mean, you know, I don't – the sense of urgency needs to be at an all-time high, not just internally, but, like, as the game is going on. I want to see guys 
reaching for every first down. I want to see guys, you know, gang tackling on every opportunity. I just, last week, I didn't feel like I was watching a team that was fighting for their playoff lives. And now they really are. I mean, it, it's, it is very, very slim chances that they make it. But you got to go out there and just be desperate on every single play. And you can want this game more than them. I know it. I know that they don't care. They don't care enough to where you can't care more than them. You have to go care more than them in this game. It's something that I've just been begging for from the Broncos. Um, and this is a huge opportunity for them to do that. I'll take caring as much because they're in the same spot as the Broncos are, right? I mean, they're seven and seven. They're based their their playoff hopes. I mean, I think they have a slightly higher percentage than the Broncos. I don't have it in front of me right now, but if you can't, at least if you care as much as they do, then you'll have the game on even terms because they're going to care about this game. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna care, but they just I I don't know if they I don't know I don't know if they actually believe. Guys, they're they're gonna care, but are they gonna car? Hopefully not. <laughs> and guys, our last whiteboard Wednesday here, sweet sixteen. That is going to be a big number for the Broncos. Keep it 16 points for the Raiders. The Broncos in every single one of the Raiders' losses. I mean, this just blows my mind. Every single one of the Raiders' losses, they have 16 or fewer points. So their offense is literally almost either dropping over 30 points per game and they're guaranteed to win or scoring 16 or less points and they're pretty much guaranteed a loss. Now, their only win when they scored 16 or fewer points came on Monday. I mean, Monday was just a, such a weird game. Again, they shouldn't have won that game. If Baker Mayfield, if Case Keenum is playing in that game, the the Raiders lose. I mean, that that's how bad they were. But if, if the Broncos hold them to 16 points or less, they will win. And guys, the, with the Raiders' offense, the way it's tanking right now, and the way the Broncos' defense is playing fantastic, they're they're going in totally opposite directions. This sets up for the Broncos being able to hold the Raiders to under 16 points, and that's pretty much a guaranteed dub. And what's interesting is there's like the Raiders have nothing in between. They're either scoring 16 or fewer, or they're scoring 26 or more. They don't have like yep. 20 or 21 points like the Broncos do. I mean, really, no. it, it, it kind of sets up for. Uh, for the Broncos, because they kind of go one week on, one week off to have about 20, 21, 23 points, and they hold the Raiders to to 16 or fewer like uh, most teams have. I mean, it, it just kind of, it, uh, to me, that's where the stars are aligning. Yeah, and Mace, what's crazy about that is that one that one middle game where they scored 26 points, that's their only middle game. Every other game in which they've won has been 30 or more points. It, it really is crazy in a league where, you know, what, 24 points is the average? The Raiders are either great or they're terrible. And guys, something that is always great is our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee. Their delicious CBD coffee is always a winner. I had a cup to get me going this morning. Probably going to have another one this afternoon. And the great thing about it is it's packed with CBD. And of course, CBD can help relieve aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on that CBD can help relieve. And that's a two-in-one punch. Another two-in-one punch is if you go to StravaCraftCoffee.com and use the code DNVR25, you'll get 25% off your first order of Strava Craft Coffee. And then on top of that, after you use that code, subscribe to Strava and you'll receive 20% off every single order after that. And you can even have it 
setup where you don't have to go in and enter your credit card in order. You can have it delivered straight to your door every two, four, six, eight weeks, or however often you want. It'll come straight to your door at that 20% off. So make sure to check them out over at StravaCraftCoffee.com and use that code DNVR25 to get 25% off your first order. Also check out our friends over at Mint Mobile who have an incredible deal going on this holiday season. And it's already an incredible deal in itself. What the folks over at Mint Mobile realized is all these mobile carriers are spending just so much money on having an in-person store. And honestly, I don't know about you guys. I hate those in-person stores. I never want to be able, I never want to have to. They're go the worst. Absolute worst. So what they did is they moved everything online, saved themselves a bunch of money. So then they could then save you a bunch of money. Um, their plans start as low as $15 a month. And right now, you can get three months. If you buy three months, you're going to get three months free for the holiday season. The way it works is they send you a SIM card. All you do is swap out the current SIM card you have on your phone, put in their SIM card, boom, you're running on Mint Mobile. It's great. The coverage is fantastic, and the prices cannot be beat. So stop wasting your money just so you can be able to go in and wait in line for an hour uh, whenever you have a problem with your phone. They've got online people that can help you with any problems that you're having, and it's a great product. Once you try it, you'll realize that you're wasting a ton of money on your on your former uh, provider. So use uh, the code DNVR when you sign up at Mint Mobile and get that great deal they have for the holidays. Buy three months, get three months free. Yep, you don't want to waste your money there. You also don't want to make, waste money for a gift for yourself or somebody else. Yeah, it's probably too late to get things shipped for Christmas, but maybe you want to get a Christmas gift, a post-Christmas gift for yourself. And what better way to do that than by saving some money over with our friends at Manscaped. If you use the code DNVR, you're going to get 20% off and free shipping over at manscaped.com for anything you order. You know, 2022 is on its way, and I'm going to use a word that Zach uses. I'm going to use the word pubes. 2022 is on its way, and the last thing you want is to be the guy with pubes getting in the way uh, way of making this year your best yet. 2021, it wasn't great. This is why Manscaped is making a splash and helping you up your grooming game for 2022 new year fresh opportunity fresh hope their signature lawnmower 4.0 is here to take down every pube in its path manscaped has engineered the ultimate groin and body trim by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibly comfortable grooming experience their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology it's even waterproof. The tool is amazing. And hey, you're you're confident if you use the 4.0 to leave 2021 and your gross pubes behind with it. You know what else gives you confidence? It's smelling like a million bucks. And there's ways to do that. You've got the Manscaped Body Wash, Manscaped Shampoo, Manscaped Refined Cologne. It's got the signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas. It'll be a great compliment to your collection. You can use the Crop Reviver to kind of help to and 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 the Crop Duster to help kind of make things feel good down below you can use the cologne to make yourself smell nice in your face and it's got that 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 masculine that masculine uh scent that beautiful scent that all manscaped products have so you want to check all this out at manscaped.com start your new year with a new you a refreshed and revived you and take advantage of all the stuff available at manscaped.com all the products for making you look and feel your very best use the code dnvr for 20 percent off plus free shipping at manscaped.com that's dnvr that's the code for 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com and Buana Beast here in the comments says the lawnmower 4.0 makes the tree look taller. So 
Oh my god. Wait, I, can you guys explain that? I'm not quite sure what, uh, uh, what they're referring to. You're on your own there. All right, I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask my mom what that means later. There you go. Let's get into the comments here. The first one comes in from Patty. Certainly the lock fumble and since he was cause for concern uh, for being he is known for turnovers and sacks in critical situations. Why are we not playing the lock strengths? The play call would have made more sense if it was a run-pass option to his dominant arm side, but giving him the uh, run option, only giving him two chances, uh, seemed to bring to a weakness. I believe Locke has the potential to push this offense further and create options such as audibles down the, and down-the-field throws. The last three games were against divisional rivals, so do we actually know if it's an OC problem or a QB, a QB problem? Time to open the playbook. I gotta say, I've seen this, um, for lack of a better term, excuse come out for Drew Locke. Um, about they should have never called uh, a read option there. Some people are calling it RPO. It was not RPO. It's just straight read option. Um, and I just – I don't I don't get that one. Uh, you know, like, you know, I, it just – that's a sim- very simple day one of training camp style read. You read the defensive end. If he crashes, you keep it. If he stays, you give it. He stayed. So Drew should have given it. it it's, a, it's a very simple, obvious – thing it's not something that you need a ton of reps on um and you know as uh ryan green brought up on twitter um he scored a touchdown on that exact same play against the kansas city chiefs uh in one of his first starts so it's not as if he doesn't know how to execute uh, the read option uh i don't i think it kind of was to his strengths in, in a way he's not exactly a burner but you expect him to be able to make that read yeah i agree with that it. and so- something that i don't understand is if handle a read option which i believe he can i just believe he he made the wrong choice there but patty wants to put even more on his plate we're adding a third option to that plate and then also adding an audible uh and making checks down the at the line he need he needs to start i think you you, you can't just throw him out there in, in this game against the raiders you kind of need to start with a smaller playbook and build your way up from there uh in order to put him in the best situation that's so that the team can be put in the best situation yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to make the Paxton Lynch comparison, but uh, by far the steadiest game Paxton Lynch had was the last game of 2017 when Bill Musgrave just kind of simplified things, gave him stuff that he could handle. And he wasn't great, but he, was, he wasn't terrible, right? And, yeah. I mean, Drew Locke is a better quarterback than Paxton Lynch, but I think you need to just give him what he can work with. And he, look, like he ought to be able to, to do that, that read option. That, that's something – and they weren't calling it with Teddy Bridgewater. That was all year. That was something that was put in for Drew Locke. Drew's, Drew mentioned how he dots the play sheet and says, hey, these are the things I'm most comfortable with if I have to go in there. And so I do think Pat Shermer made a call that played to Drew Locke's strengths. That was what he wanted to see. So yeah, I, I don't – put honestly, I don't put – I know a lot of people put it on Shermer for the call. I don't think it was a bad call. And, and no. truly – you know, again, I don't want to be too hard on Drew for the, for that play. We've already, you know, hammered it several times. But I think it was a little bit of his hero ball syndrome yeah. that got to him there. Is you know, instead of, instead of just looking at the defensive end, which he was looking at the defensive end and saying, okay, he's there, I'm giving it off, he thought, I think I can make this guy miss in space. And he almost did. He just forgot to bring the ball with him. 
Oh boy. Oh boy. Chicago Bronco 86 says, I thought Mace would appreciate this after your discussion about stat guys on Monday. If you haven't seen it before, Freakonomics has a really interesting discussion of how statistically the most successful penalty kick in soccer is actually right up the middle, but it's rarely attempted partially because you look like a fool if it fails. I've definitely noticed that there's a lot of stick to what's always been done, even if there's a better way mentality in the NFL. It does make sense as a way to protect your job, but I've argue to be truly great you need to take an take any advantage you can to get and try things that have not been done yet thoughts yeah those are some great points i mean i think you can the other thing you can look at uh in for example is in basketball you know in his day rick barry was uh, one of the best free throw shooters in the nba and he was shooting underhand right yep but underhand can be incredibly effective if you if 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 you're proficient at it, but no one's going to do that because of how it looks. It's kind of like the penalty, the, the taking the penalty and kicking it right at the center of the goal and, and gambling on the, on the goalie going in one direction or the other. Right. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes we kind of get caught up in, in appearance rather than result. Yeah, totally. And it goes back to um, the, the John Harbaugh call this weekend. Right. Yeah. Um, I am fully 100% behind that. Um, I think it was the correct call. And if I'm a coach, I've, I've said this before, I'm telling my team on the very first day of training camp, we always go for it in that situation. Because if you told me before the game, look, you have two options. One of your, one of your options is you can get two yards to win the game. And the other option is you can leave it up to a coin toss to see if you're even going to touch the ball to win the game. I'm taking the two yards every single time. Don't put it in the hands of a coin flip. Go win the game. And, I, and like I said, I'm telling my team from day one in training camp, don't you ever even look to the sideline after we score a touchdown with in under 20 seconds left in the game. Line up and run the plays that you know we've discussed that we're going to run in that situation. Um, but coaches are afraid of doing that in that scenario because if it doesn't work, it's on you. It's not on the defense for not getting the stop after they gave the kick. You know, which is what's going to happen if it goes to overtime and they go down and score. No one's going to say, oh, they should have gone for two at the end of regulation. They're going to say, oh, the defense should have gotten a stop there. But if you go for two and you don't get it, everyone points the finger at you, not anyone who missed their assignment on that play. You made that call. And, and, and people are afraid of that because you're, you know, you're taking a lot of the onus on yourself. Brandon Staley took a ton of heat after Thursday's game where if he takes a couple field goals, they probably win. But you know what? The next time that he goes for it on fourth down with like three or four attempts within the one or two yards of the first down and within the end zone, they're probably going to hit on at least one of those, if not both of those, and then destroy the Chiefs. So, yeah, I I, I, I totally agree with your comment, Chicago Bronco. Uh, and that's just something that Bill Belichick, maybe it's because he has so much job security that he doesn't have to worry about looking like a fool and messing up, but he takes those chances all the time. And I think it's something that uh, is, is really commendable to, for him. And I also think there's an identity that you instill in your team when you say we go for it in this situation. It's not always going to work. Uh, and you're going to have games where you look like a fool because it didn't work several times. But you know what? Your team goes to sleep that night saying, my coach believed in me and I let him down. I got to do better next time. 
And that's what Brandon Staley said the day after, and I absolutely love that. Ohio Bronco Alex says, fellas, do we feel like the spread for the game against the Raiders is fair right now after what we saw from the Raiders against the Browns? Currently, the Raiders are favored by one. I feel pretty good about our chances this weekend. It's the following week against the Chargers that concerns me. Well, I got to think the reason the Raiders are favored here is Drew Locke is, their, is the Broncos starting quarterback. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a, a part of the, you know, a part of the uh, formula there. I also think it's because the Raiders beat the hell out of the Broncos the last time they played, and now they're at home. And they're both 7-7 seven and seven teams. Like, it's not like the Broncos are some team that is so much better than the Raiders, and they're getting disrespected because Drew Locke's the starter. It's the, the only evidence we have is that the Raiders are better than the Broncos, and their record's the same. And you look at the Broncos at the Raiders going back to Oakland. 2016 lost 2017 lost 2018 lost 2019 lost 2020 loss so that's that's factoring in as well i mean the broncos are a better team but the raiders are that slight favorite being at home because of their form at home against the broncos that's something that they're that i think the odds makers are taking into account next one's from bash the man my boys, as I sit brokenhearted and watching my team slowly stalling, either ever moving away from another playoff run. Uh, so sad, but at, at last, their hope, uh, hope that Drew Locke does, uh, does play good, not only so we can enjoy these last few games, but so he raises his stock. Our team is like the million-dollar man. We have everything except we need. To, uh, we have everything we need to compete, except we're only missing the man. The one and only thing we need is a quarterback. If what our team has done with a mediocre quarterback at play, I can't imagine why Russell or Aaron would, wouldn't uh, be enticed to come play for us. So here's for hope. Let's win just to win and get our quarterback for next year. Peace, love, and chicken grease. I'm out. Yeah, I mean, I think there's no doubt if the Broncos had a top 10 quarterback. I think everyone believes that this team would be in the playoffs, would have probably double-digit wins right about now. And guys, this kind of leads into the next question from Cosmo Kelly. Says, God, Russ is so bad. No shot you guys truly believe he's elite, especially if we have to pay him $30 million and trade any draft capital for him. As my boy Zach would say, open your eyes! He's the definition of mediocre, and he's, his mobility is deteriorating rapidly, too. This is a joke. And Mace, don't feel bad for the, di- the dismalness of my take. Let our, Like RK said, I know it's a hot take, and I know I'm alone on the island, but I truly believe this. It's only a matter of time till you see it, too. Cosmo Kelly, I have to say, I kind of see what you're saying. And guys, there were, now I don't think that Russ is bad. I don't think he's mediocre. But over these past few weeks, especially, I mean, just this year watching Russ, there are concerning things. And when I watched yesterday's game, I tried to look at it, at it through the lens of, Let's pretend that's Teddy Bridgewater. Let's pretend that's Drew Locke. How would we view Russell Wilson? And I saw three very concerning things. First one, and it's the smallest one, but it would have pissed Broncos country off. There was a, uh, a, a an offsides. The the uh, the Ram jumped offsides. It was very obvious. Flag was thrown, and Russ immediately throws uh, like a three yard slant. What what happened? What was the criticism when Teddy did that? Now, Teddy's was a little different. He didn't throw the ball right away, but he still threw the check down. I mean, people were losing it. Calling Ted, how can Teddy do that? So that was one right there. And again, just one play. Don't want to be too nitpicky. The second one, and way more concerning for me, his deep balls were 
terrible yesterday, and they have been for a while, but yesterday was a great example. He was throwing them way too late. He was significantly underthrowing them, and he was making terrible decisions when he threw it. One led to an easy pick. There were two more that probably should have been 50-plus yard touchdowns because the receiver was wide open, and he way underthrew them. And the third one, guys, to me is his mobility. There were multiple times, especially on third down last night, where it's third and four. I'm thinking, Russ, you have 20 yards ahead of you. No one is around. Take off. Run for this. And he just he throws a, a deep bomb that's you know five yards short broken up uh he is just not the same player the especially since coming back from that injury that he was but guys i'm not saying that i'm going to let a couple of games sway the overall picture of who russ has been that's why i'm still down for trading for whatever for him because i don't think he's fallen off a cliff that he's never going to get back from but to cosmo kelly's point Russell Wilson has not been playing the best ball this year. Yeah, I think you, you mentioned the injury. I think he's I think he's playing hurt. I actually think he's playing with more injury, more than just the finger problem that sidelined him for a few games. And the other thing is you can go through almost any great quarterback and find a point typically in, you know, between the age of, thir- of 30 and 34 where it looked like that they were coming back to earth and like, oh, is this the end? I mean, remember the remember back in 2015 when people thought the Broncos had broken Aaron Rodgers? Yep. Well, they did. Yeah. And then look what happened after that. The The arc of most of these top shelf quarterbacks is that there's always a dip. Sometimes they're hurt. Sometimes briefly there are things figured out. But then a tweak or two is made. The quarterback gets healthy and he's back to being himself. I think with Russell Wilson, this is a short this is a short term dip. And sometimes if we're in the stock market, they say buy the dips. So I'm willing to I'm willing to buy Russell Wilson on a dip. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. Zach also when you talk that fast, I'm afraid your head is going to like explode. Um, <laughs> uh, well, because last night I'm going, man, Broncos country would be tearing him apart if he was a Broncos quarterback, especially with the name of Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke or something. But I agree with you guys. Uh, I believe this is a small blimp in the road for him. I still take him. Broncos hey, country Broncos tore apart Peyton Manning early in 2012, right? I mean, he got booed. <laughs> Yeah, this happens. It does happen, but I, I'm chalking it all up to the injury. Um, I don't think he's gripping the ball as well as he needs to to throw those deep balls the way he wants to. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, from Orange is the new sack. Hello, DNVR. I decided it was the perfect time to finally subscribe after being a long-term listener. We got him. Got him. If you guys could go back any time in the post-Payton Manning era, who was one player you would undraft? And who would you draft in their place? This is easy. Thanks, guys. I hope uh, you you guys all get into the holiday spirit, especially RK and Zach. Merry Christmas. Okay. Do we want to say this all at the same time on the count of three? <laughs> yeah. Well, so are we just going to say the player we wish they would have drafted first, or who, who are they going to Say undraft? who they shouldn't – who want to undraft. Okay. On three. One, two, three. Bradley Paxton Chubb. Bradley Chubb. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, I was the only one that said Paxton Lynch. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because I've got a good replacement oh. for him. See, yep, the best <laughs> Paxton Lynch led to so many more bad decisions after that. Yeah, but then who are, but... who are you drafting instead, though, Mace? Dak Prescott. Okay. I'd rather have Josh Allen. Yeah, me too. That's why I went Bradley Chubb. Yeah. <laughs> you're, not um, ba- you're, not, you're not wrong with uh, yeah. Dak Prescott, though. Yeah, and, and it also would have maximized that 2016 team because – that defense was still a great defense in 16. And if Dak had played for the Broncos as he did for the Cowboys as a rookie, Dak might have been in the Super Bowl as a rookie. 
it's Ooh. possible. Yeah. Um, I will say this, though. He walked into a situation with a great running game and the best offensive line in football at the time, it, uh, yeah. which he wouldn't have been getting in Denver. He wouldn't have had the best offensive line. He would have had a running game that was good enough. He would have had terrific wide receivers pushing yep. the ball downfield, and he would have had Gary Kubiak calling the plays for him. The only thing is he wouldn't have been able to beat out uh, my guy Trevor for the job, so ah! wouldn't have mattered. Ah. Uh, I, I, I thought you were going to maybe say, like, they don't draft quarterback that year. They have a bad season. It leaves them in perfect position to go grab Patrick Mahomes the next year or Deshaun Watson um, pre-issues. Um, that's a fun one, though. I- I'm glad that we didn't all agree. I thought for sure it would be trade Bradley Chubb <laughs> for Josh Allen. I like that, too. And I think we have a super chat or two, guys, to hit on the way out here. What's I can't find it, though. Pick? Here we there go. What's the earliest draft pick we could have, and how do we get there? Well, I'll tell you what. You get there by going 0-3. Um, the early, I think the Broncos have the opportunity to sneak into the top 10 if they went 0-3. Yeah, realistically, like I think tech, I think technically they could get as high as number five if somehow both the Bears and Giants won out. But realistically, pick number 10 right now is Washington at six and eight. Pick number nine is Atlanta, also six and eight. And the Broncos, as of right now, have a strength of schedule advantage on Washington, but not Atlanta. So I think that probably. Pick nine is, I think, as high as realistically they're going to go. It's a lot better than, you know, right now they're 14th. If they win a couple, they could be 18. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, if you lose this week, you really put yourself in – you could – I mean, we could have done all of this for nothing uh, to be right back where they were last year. Top 10 pick, last place in the division, <laughs> last place schedule. It's uh, crazy. It's not exciting, but it is better than going one and two. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's it certainly is. And then Jelly provides some options for where we could go, where the Broncos could go after this year. Doug Peterson and Kenny Pickett or Russ and Brian Dable. Hashtag DNVR. I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm kind of out on Brian Dable. I agree. Um, I, I really liked him. And I think he's um, jumped the shark, if you will. Um it, Going a whole half without running the ball just tells me uh, you might be a little bit irresponsible. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out. And uh, I mean, just, just look at the Buffalo Bills this year; they've fallen off, uh, and Josh Allen has fallen off a bit. And so you, you're not going to take the leader of that. Can you mm-hmm. imagine if next season the Broncos drafted Kenny Pickett or whatever and had Brian Dayball as their coach, and Javante Williams was getting like six carries a game? <laughs> that would be wild. Oh People my goodness. Oh yes. Uh, any other uh, super chats we got to hit? Got one, yeah. From oh, Bawana Beast. Beast. Yeah, so we saw a lot of movement on the practice squad. Anything to note besides saying Bassey going to reunite with Ronaldo Hill with the L.A. Chargers? No, I mean, nothing yeah. Nothing that's going to impact the, the team this year. I mean, you got Anthony Gordon, quarterback from Washington State, who's going to be on the practice squad. And basically he's going to be just another, he's another emergency quarterback. Brett Rippon will be the backup on Sunday behind Drew Locke. And he, and there's your quarterback that you're probably keeping away from the other two. Who's there just in case. That's about it. Uh, love to finish the pod with some hot practice squad talk. Um, <laughs> and that is how we're going to finish the pod. Um, and before we get out of here, one final shout out to our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver online. Of course, hit us with a thumbs up. If you enjoyed the show, 
Uh, thanks to almost everyone for being, um, you know, civil in the comments. We appreciate that. It's nice to, uh, to you know, see the holiday spirit in most of you in the chat. Everyone's Broncos fans here. Some people have different opinions. That's always okay. Um, and also, some people have different opinions on what kind of education they want to get, but they can all get it done at MSU Denver online. Uh, 750 total classes, 45-plus online and hybrid programs. Uh, classes that bring the real world into the classroom. Uh, and so if you're looking to maintain a full-time job, um, while you get your education, there's no better place to go than MSU Denver. Uh, we will talk to you guys tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Have a great day. Fly.